excited to be joined today by Trav McKenzie. Trav, hi. Hi Steph, how are you? Well, I'm great. I wanted to go on quite the, you know, the intro and interlude of how I met Trav and why I love Trav. And the truth is that you showed up in Vancouver with a bike and an Ironman dream and were rocking Luan. And that was the beginning of a really rad friendship. Is that yeah, a absolutely. I think that's fair to say. I think that was uh yeah, that was an awesome time. Uh, hard to believe it was six, almost six years ago now that uh, I moved to Vancouver. So time does fly when you're, when you're having fun. When you're on two wheels. And I mean, now we're ta- talking and you're living in Boston. And beyond my selfish intro of how I know Trap McKenzie, you also have a really beautiful bio that sh- should go along to the tune of the founder of Inner Voice and the rad husband to Lauren and the father to Addie and then the newest gravel junkie. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say maybe not the newest, but uh, definitely loving my time on two wheels off the road these days and hundred percent happy, joyous father of Addie and husband of Lauren. Okay. I'm really excited to jam with you and we have three pretty juicy topics to dive into, but I just thought that all good things need to warm up. So instead of waiting till the end, can we play my favorite game of this or that right off the bat? Let's give it a shot. I'm game. Let's do it. All right. No pausing, no thinking, and no qualifying. Just tell me, is it this or is it that? Dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Phone call or text? Text. Music or podcast? Podcast. Form or function? Form. Pop or indie? Pop. Big party, small gathering? Small gathering. Work hard or play hard? Work hard. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Oh man, Uh, laundry. Bath or shower? Shower. Sneakers or sandals? Sandals. Whoa, that's not even a question. I don't think <laughs> you knew that you even owned a pair of shoes. Well, it's winter time here, so I've put the sandals away for a while. Email or letter? Email. Passenger or driver? Driver. Intelligent or funny? Funny. Car or truck? Car. Money or free time? Free time. Coke or Red Bull? Water. Coffee cup or thermos? Like Coffee cup. Wait, paper cup or to stay cup? Uh, Ceramic. Thank you. Train or plane? I've actually caught the train to New York a few times. Train. I like it. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Hot. Sweet or salty? Uh, Swalty. (laughs) Or vegetables? Veggies. Nice. That was easy. Oh, are we done now? Is that the end? That's it. Well, and that's it because it's the perfect, um, it's, it's not the dichotomy, it's the power of this or that. And one of the core beliefs at Team Corker is, and is the future. And, and I say that, and I mean, sweet or salty, salty. And I want sweet and I want salty. And I think you're a beautiful example of that because I wanted to kickstart this conversation by 
diving into the high performance athlete who chased, you know, really big start lines once upon a time as being the main focus to now still remaining a high performing athlete running a business, chasing start lines, you're married to a high-performing athlete, you've moved across the country, and it feels like, and is your life now? Can I be an athlete and an entrepreneur? And can I be a gravel rider and a supportive partner to Lauren? And I just, I want you to riff on on the version of and in your life right now, if I didn't have to ask you about this or that. Yeah, I think and is super powerful. And I I think I'm actually really still somewhat struggling with uh, a loss of identity around athletics. If I'm, if I'm completely honest, I did spend quite a decent chunk of my life pursuing um, my triathlon goals and wanting to race in Kona and wanting to take my, you know, my racing further. And it was very much results driven. And nowadays there's not so much of that. And I still struggle with that. I think when you're racing, it's easier to justify or it's easier to quantify your results and, and you can base your success on, you know, where you're placed or your time or how a work, certain workout went. Whereas in regular life, there's not as much opportunity to quantify your success. So I think it's a, a combination of kind of loss of identity and not necessarily being able to track that, you know, feeling of, of success. And I, when you really think about it, the success for me now is being able to pursue my passion for growing a business that I love and I get to do work uh, that I love every single day. I don't stop thinking about the work that I do because I'm so passionate about it. And then I also get to be a supportive husband to a high performing athlete. And my wife really has big goals in running and, you know, she's an incredible athlete. She's an incredible mother. She works a full-time job. Um, we have, you know, she has an and type life as well. And then for me, I also make the choice to be a dad and I stay home with my daughter Adelina every Wednesday. I, I, basically take that day off work and it's him and it's uh it's me and her for that entire day and there's no distractions it's just us bonding and me getting to know her and spending time with her and helping her grow and fostering her curiosity and just developing this special bond that we have together and for me that means you know some late nights working on the weekend or finding other times but it's really important for me that that's that's one of my top priorities and that's a big and in my life right now as well. So I don't think you're alone in these feelings, though I don't know that perhaps anyone has necessarily figured it out. So when you do transition perhaps away or, or the balance becomes, dare I say, a little more balanced, less teeter-totter, do you have any suggestions for maintaining your identity or discovering a new identity? In, in the land of and and in the world of transitions? Yeah, I think I'm in an interesting position. And I, I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine last week when I was in San Francisco that he's in a similar position where he's a dad um, now and he's not racing Ironman anymore. And he, he actually said that he doesn't struggle with it. He's happy to support other people's goals and he's busy in his job. And I think the challenge that I have is I'm interacting with high-performing athletes every day of my life through inner voice. And I'm getting to sit down with them and talk to them and kind of regale stories with them about athletic, their athletic pursuits. And I think for me, still being in the industry is what's kind of, is giving me the challenge where I'm, you know, I, I wish that I could do what they could do. And, you know, they're out talking about their training and they're talking about the races they've got coming up. So there's a, a small part of me that still wishes that I was able to compete at that level. So I think that's a, a bit of a challenge. So for anyone, you know, who is 
happy to step away from sport. I think it may be a little bit easier. I know that it's definitely a challenge still for a lot of people, but being immersed for me, I think is, is adding that layer of complexity that, that I'm not sure everyone has when they, when they step away from that high performance level of sport. It's like, it might not serve you yet. It definitely serves the rest of the entire athletic and endurance community. And we're really grateful that you're choosing to be a leader in that space. (laughs) You're like, but it may not be the best thing for my brain as I transition in, you know, my own athletic journey. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that like, it's a choice that I make as well. Like I'm, I'm, I still love getting out and riding my bike and, you know, I'll ride four or five days a week and longer on the weekend. And I have some important races that I've signed up for, but I'm also under no illusion that I have the time or the um, ability to compete in these races. So for me, it's finding different measures of success that that's my responsibility. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not shirking that responsibility. And I, I think it for me is finding other ways to find joy. And I've definitely done that. There's no question. I love being out in nature and feeling the breeze on my skin and just, you know, enjoying being out on my bike for the sake of it. And I have super creative ideas out there. I'm able to come up with some of my best thinking. I'm, I'm able to decompress from my days and things like that. So there's definitely positives in the place I am with athletics and with sport. And it may not be high performance anymore, but I'm, I'm definitely okay with that. And I definitely choose that for, for me. It's a beautiful example. What comes up for me is, you know, the grass isn't always greener. And I think being an athlete chasing high performing goals can also be super lonely and super exhausting. And all of those things we seem to forget about when we're on the other side, you know, wishing that we could go back to those who are, you know, trying to balance the teeter totter of it. So, I mean, kudos and I'm stoked that you're still chasing start lines and you, you know, have really taken to gravel racing and, um, you know, we'll be cheering for you and we appreciate all of the work you're doing with Inner Voice. And I want to touch on that, but before we go there, you did mention your high-performing wife. And can we just dive into that topic first? Because the power of women and the future of female athletes is something that I'm ridiculously passionate about. I think that one of our problems, in fact, as female athletes fighting for gender parity in sport is that women seem to just continue to talk to women about this. And so knowing that I had some of your time and perspective, I would just love to know your thoughts on the gender parity conversation versus proportional representation. We can speak specifically to triathlon because I know that that is an area of passion for you yet. You know, you do see the world through, you know, a broader athletic lens now i'm not sure if it's come up for lauren or or something that's like that close to home for you just travi tell me about the future the future for us female athletes <laughs> from a yeah, perspective i think it's a it's a very very important topic and something i'm very passionate about and i think to be honest i ha- i haven't really experienced it growing up like my mom never brought up you know, the topic she would work and she stayed home with us and it wasn't really an issue in our home. And then, and then Lauren is, is much the same. Like she's all, you know, she's had a high performing career. She's always been an athlete and she just really goes about a business. She's super passionate about uh, women, women in sport. And, you know, she has some really good mentors and leaders in her community that are also really passionate about it. But I think in reality, when I, you know, I have a daughter now and, being involved in these conversations, I think some of it is going to take quite a lot of time to change. And I think that 
it takes people like yourself and it will also take people like myself who can make it better for the next generation being my daughter, Adelina. Like I wanted to have as much, if not more opportunity than I had growing up through sport and not only in sport, but in life in general. So I think that's where my passion comes from really wanting to support the conversation. I don't necessarily know my place in the conversation. I don't know how I can help, but I really am passionate about helping. And I think you said something really interesting. A lot of times, um, and particularly this happens in triathlon, that women are talking to women about this. And I think there needs to be men who are able to help foster that conversation as well. Not from a standpoint of like, we know better, but it's in reality, there's men at the top of our sport. There's men at the top of many sports. There's many, many men at the top of different industries. And unless there are men entrenched in those conversations, I think it's going to take longer than potentially could. Does that answer your question? Gosh, totally. And it was actually a podcast I did with Vladimir brothers, um, two bros rowing for the 2020 games. And they went to the 2016 Olympic games in a four. And then the boat got removed because they were going for gender parity. And that boat now is for the women's team. And these guys are 25 years old. And hearing this from a 25 year old male perspective was a no-brainer they were like well of course there has to be equality I can't believe there wouldn't be you know like and this puts them out of their Olympic boat to do so yet it almost feels like a generational piece and what I appreciate about what you're saying Trav is even more so you think about your daughter and not wanting Addie to be in this landscape that we're in right now and I hear you and my only hope is that this happens before Addie is of age <laughs> to yeah. the benefit of it. And yet the, the shame is that right now it does feel like it could take a very long time. Addie's currently two. Is that right? <laughs> She's almost two. Yeah. So yeah, let's I, hope. I yeah. think there's with that in mind, I think there's actually from what I've noticed in the conversations that I am hearing and having is that it is moving. And I think that it is moving very slowly when you're immersed in it, but it is moving. And I think looking at it, examples like uh, in gravel racing. So this amazing event in Steamboat Springs this summer just released 200 more entries specifically for women with their long-term vision being that they want to have equal participation between men and women. So they were in one week, they were able to increase their participation by 68% just by this SBT parity program that they have. And then I look at things like Title IX in US college sports. So the benefit of Title IX for triathlon is that now NCAA has a women's triathlon program in major Division One schools. Many lower-level schools are also participating. So what that is happening now is that there's a series of you know women coming through the sport that are given opportunities that they didn't have before. And it is part of equality, and it's a part of this program where equal you know men and women student-athletes are participating and triathlon is benefiting from that. And there's probably many, many examples. And one thing that I look to is the running industry, like half marathons have had higher participation rates from, for women for a long time. And I think there's a lot of things that we can take from that, that should be able to translate to other sports as well. And I think that it just needs the right people in the right room at the right time to be able to make this happen quicker than it's already happening. I love it. 
I love it. Well, I appreciate being able to have that conversation with you. And as you riff on these other examples, again, it's the perfect segue to our third topic, which is the platform Inner Voice that you have created and the conversations that you're a part of. Why don't you start by telling us about Inner Voice and, and your vision for, for what you've created there? Yeah. Well, as you know, Steph, you were the first guest on uh, Inner Voice. It really oh started gosh. as a... <laughs> You'll always be the first. There's no, there's no getting away from it. It started really as a way for two things for, for me and the people involved from the beginning to be able to share stories of interesting, unique athletes doing amazing things that we were friends with and close with. And you kicked that off and it was followed by Dylan Gleason, another triathlete in Vancouver. And from there, it's grown to this amazing media property that we've interviewed over a hundred athletes from world champions to weekend warriors and everything in between. Uh, and it's really focused, not necessarily on the results. It's not necessarily focused on how hard someone trains or what they eat for breakfast or what their favorite workout is. It's really about the human side of the sport and the human beings that are, that make up or, you know, endurance sports as a whole. And, you know, and we've grown into a, we've got a website, it's grown into a podcast. We're about to launch some video series. There's a lot of things that's happening. And really the goal, as I mentioned, was just to share stories of friends. And what it's grown into is this beacon of inspiration and motivation for people. And the, the greatest thing there is I get to talk to these athletes every day and I get to learn from them and I get to talk to them about the issues that they're facing, like general quality, like lack of sponsorship like issues with disordered eating, like issues with losing and grieving and having to continue to perform. So there's all of these human stories that I get to hear. And from that, what I see is this beautiful vision of being able to support not only these athletes involved, but everyone within the industry. So the goal of Inner Voice over the next 10 years is not only to continue to tell these stories, but to really focus on how do we develop an athlete care network where we can support the athletes that we've had on the platform, we can support athletes that follow and read and are invested in and engaged in the platform and also the brands and the sponsors that we work with as well. So how can we all come together to create a better outcome for everyone who's involved in endurance sports? And, you know, that's really the vision going towards 2028 and the 2028 Olympics is kind of the target we've put on it that Inner Voice will become more than what it is now, hopefully for the betterment of, of endurance sports in, as a whole. Gosh, I think that's so, so incredible. And when you speak to the inner voice and the human side of it, it's, I, I mean, I think I'm biased, but there's nothing more raw than the inside of an athlete who puts their heart and soul on a line, literally for every race and, and before every workout. And I think it's a really vulnerable task to show up and say, I'm going to show you my best today and you can judge me for it. And it might not stack up and it might stack up, but here's my best and here's everything that is going on in my brain on, on the way to get there. And your stories and your photography and um, the way you curate inner voice experiences are so beautiful. And I guess this almost comes full circle back to the beginning of our conversation. You know, yes, you've transitioned from focusing solely on sport to now really being a beacon of these sport related stories but it also speaks to you being the creator and the visionary to see opportunities in the market or you know space where storytelling wasn't happening you've created races you've created cycling experiences i mean beyond getting ideas on your bike how how do you come up with this stuff trav and how do you determine 
what to do next and where to throw your energy in. The road to 2028 is incredible and, and long. I, I want to know the human side of Trav, the creator and innovator. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question because I never actually considered myself overly creative. And I, and I want to preface that with the way that I saw creative was you know, people who are into graphic design or can paint or can sing or whatever. That's what I grew up thinking creative was. And, you know, over the journey of the last three years, I've, I've realized that creativity can actually show up in many, many forms. And I feel like I've all, I've always been someone who uh, has always had ideas and I've never been short of ideas. And for me, it's now about how do I take those ideas and, and move from creator to doer. And, you know, I think I've, gotten good at doing things and I, a lot of the things I've done are, are self-taught we were talking earlier about our podcasts and our audio experience and you know self-taught on the editing of those and getting better and it's really from a curiosity standpoint that I want to be a doer as well as a creator and then I think really for the success of, of our business um, and for me I want to become an executor and what I mean by that is becoming a professional at creating and doing and being able to execute and to be able to have those become meaningful um, and serve an audience. I think at the age we're in right now, it's very easy for people to create and push publish on a blog post or an Instagram post and it, it almost becomes transactional. But um, I think the real professionals are the people that are thoughtful around what and when and how they show up. And I think that's my next challenge is, is to become that rather than just doing a bunch of stuff. Mm. Magic. Um, you know, you, you mentioned your vision for inner voice and the 10 year road to get there. Perhaps one way we can wrap part of this conversation is, you know, yes, we hope that the future is female conversation is, you know, moves faster than the sinking Titanic. You see an opportunity to tell these stories. Um, you see an opportunity for yourself to become more of a pro uh, across the spectrum of business. What do you see taking all of those things into account, the future for the athletic industry, the sports space in the next five years? And how do you plan on showing up in that in a, in a meaningful way? Yeah, great question. Um, I wish I was Nostradamus and I could tell you exactly what's going to happen, but I think that my gut tells me that, um, people need to do the right thing. I think there needs to be a conversation about just doing the right thing and no more of like, this is how it's always been, or this is what we think is right. You know, gender equality in sport is a big issue. Diversity in endurance sports is a big issue. Access to sport for underprivileged and at-risk people is, uh, is a conversation needs to have. Like nutrition for kids needs to be a conversation that we have. So I think there's a lot of issues and it all boils down to just doing the right thing. Um, and for me, I want to be on the right side of that and the right side of history and standing up for the things that I believe in and also getting an understanding of the things that I don't understand and trying to get a deeper understanding of issues that are important to other people that may not, may or may not be on my radar right now, but being able to support, I guess, the under-supported in making the world a better place, not only for myself in the short term, but as I mentioned, for my daughter in the long term. Gosh, Travi, Vancouver really misses you guys, you know? <laughs> you can come back anytime. 
yeah, I'd love to come back. Maybe in the summertime, we'll, we'll make a trip out there and, uh, and visit everyone. I definitely miss, definitely miss the crew in Vancouver. Um, it's been nice to experience the East Coast. Our winter has been very kind. And um, yeah, but I do miss the, uh, the community there in Vancouver, that's for sure. I just miss getting goosebumps talking to people who get it and who want to create a future and see a future. And I mean, I think we could create Team Trav shirts that say, do the right thing. And <laughs> on the back, it. say, try harder. <laughs> Love it. Ah, uh, Trav. Okay, with that, we should wrap. I've taken up too much of your time, and I know that between me and what's next in your life is called a bike ride. So with that, their favorite last question on the Uncorked podcast is, what is currently making your heart beat faster? Yeah, three things. Um, supporting my wife on her goal towards the Boston Marathon, uh, my beautiful daughter, Adelina, and there's that uh, event that I mentioned in Steamboat uh, called Steamboat Gravel. It's 140 miles at 10,000 feet of climbing. It's, it makes my heart beat faster because I'm shit scared of that day. So that's in August. I've got some time to prepare, but uh, they're the three things that are making my heart beat faster. That is freaking nuts. And we will include a link below. And 10,000 feet is the height of Haleakala. It's very high. I've spent a lot of time in Boulder, which is half that. It's like 56 or 5,700 feet. And I get out of breath walking up the stairs. So I can only imagine what riding your bike for 140 miles is going to be like. Gosh, that's incredible. I'm glad the winter has been kind. Boston is lucky to have Team McKenzie Phillips and heck, we're cheering for you and your wife to the Boston finish line. <laughs> awesome. I, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, Steph. It's been great chatting to you. Big fan of the Uncork podcast and uh, happy to be part of the alumni crew after this goes live. Thanks for listening to this edition of Uncorked. This is Matt, and I wanted to let you know that if you're looking to get away this May long weekend, May 18th to 20th, Team Corker and Movement 108 are hosting our annual retreat, AWOL, a weekend of leisure, in a beautiful cabin in Mount Baker. So come ready to relax, enjoy some time outside in nature, come sweat with us, and take advantage of optional individual and group activities while dining on great food surrounded by great people. This will truly leave you feeling rested and recharged. It's the weekend that gives you an actual break. It's like the vacation that doesn't need a vacation. So sign up now by heading over to our Instagram at the Corker Co. for more information. Thanks again and see you next week.